Good afternoon, everyone. You're welcome once again to Sports Centre Show here on Scarapay Community Radio on 88.3 FM, 92.7 FM, and on the tuning app in association with Derek Credit Union. And on today's show, we're going to be joined by well known journalist uh, Mr. Derek Dormer as we go through uh, the GA fixtures of last, the GA result games of last weekend. Uh, the games are going to take place over the weekend, and also a small bit about uh, the, the ongoing World Cup. And then later on the programme, uh, we're going to be joined, as I said, by the station manager, Mr. Jim Collins, who's going to have a word or two about the late Paddy Lowry of Fosterbeg in Scarif. And now we're joined on the line by well-known journalists, uh, men well-known to everybody now at this stage in East Clare and all, all, all over. I mean, very good to us here on Scarif Bay Community Radio, one part of our commentary team here. It's Derek Dormer. Derek, you're welcome once again to Scarif Bay Community Radio. Leo, how are you? Thanks for having me. Good, good to good to have you, Derek. In, indeed, and and as good afternoon, and, and on time today. And I suppose we 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 now know the reason why we are um, a bit late at times when we when we're talking to you. Well, guaranteed. That's that's to do with Pat Mack and his love for Finton. He, he's probably on the phone to Finton before he should be on the phone to us. Like you know, that's why he's late all the time. But <laughs> I'm glad to see you're on time this week, Leo. Grand job, Derek. Good, 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 Derek. Um, Last weekend, a uh, busy weekend for the Clare Clubs in the Munster Championship. However, three started and only the one finished. Unfortunately, the banner, uh, very unlucky. St. Joseph's unlucky in their intermediate club. And, of course, Bellier progressed to a Munster final, Derek. Yeah, and look, I think we should come up with a a, a song or a car slogan, Bellier by a pint. It's just, you know, it, it's incredible. Like, any tight game, they just will not lose it. Um yeah, um, Dora Bearfield's game was uh, a horrific end it, Leo. It was shrouded in controversy and drama and, you know, it left a kind of sour taste for the Dora Bearfield lads and, you know, I felt sorry for them. They really put up a good show and, as we know, the banner went down fighting, uh, you know, uh, with their boots on in extra time. So, it could have been three wins from three just as easily. Yeah, and I suppose, you, just, just to go back to the banner there, you know, a team that had had... You know, gone over the championship, and I suppose look, this is one of our bakes. I suppose Derek here. I know that it has to be the first team that goes through, uh, but the banner out of the championship for so long, and I suppose realistically, when it came back to this, it was probably the lack of games came back to bite him, maybe. Yeah, um, it's a big ask, Leo. You know, you're not you're knocked out in the quarter final, and your season's over, and then suddenly you're turning to Munster. And look, they would have embraced it. It was it's a learning process from. Um, they have Shane Meehan and the more games you can get for him, the better. They just came up a bit short. But I suppose the thing was, the Limerick champions came and they're a senior football club and they're physical and strong, but they triple mark Shane Meehan. Like I've, you know, it, usually people double mark someone, but they put three on him. And it just kind of, you know, it worked out from 16, 15 and extra time. But they were 8-4 down. They came roaring back into it. Look, again, they represented the county really well. And it's just a pity they couldn't get to a Munster final. But I'm sure they'll learn for it, from it. And look, they'll, they'll tackle that junior A next year. Yeah, and of course, you know, it, it, you know, the good thing about it, it gave them a few extra games at the end of the year, even though they had been knocked out of the championship. And they could prove to be very beneficial games come the junior championship next summer. Absolutely. Look, it's a learning process for them. Um, they're doing great work out in the Banner Club, like, and there's some fine young players. Uh, you know, I just, I know I'm repeating myself, but they probably shouldn't have been representing the county. It's just my opinion, I think. You know, so what if Air Oaks or Dora Bearfield's second team represented the county? They won the Junior A, let them play it. And, you know, similar to Castle Ballet and the Camogie, like, let them play it. And, you know, I, it's not going to make much of a difference, really. I mean, 
So, but that's not the banner's fault. They were asked to do a job, and in fairness, they did it with yeah. with honour and distinction. They gave everything they could, and they just came up a little bit short. But they will learn from it, and they'll be the team to beat next year's Junior A Championship, I imagine. Yeah, they've set down a marker. There's no doubt about that. And it was this week at St. Joseph's there again, uh, Derek. You know, again, they died with their boots on, and I suppose the goals for the difference between the two teams down to Kilmelech. And you know, it's probably fair to say that St. Joseph's probably played better in the Munster Championship than they done in the Clare Intermediate Championship. They did. The shackles were kind of off. You know, the pressure to return to senior has been there for a few years and, you know, the hold with abandonment and stuff. It's just a bit of experience. And look, Leo, I, I hate to advocate it, but the Monoline second goal now was an incredible finish. He picked possession up about 40 yards out, embarked on a solo run, you know, caught it the two twice. So it was on the Hurley, off the Hurley, 25 yards, 22 yards maybe, top corner on the run you know it was oh, it was a sublime piece of finishing but uh, you know I don't want to advocate yeah, should, should, but if he, I was he, a manager he should have been dragged down Leo let's be honest about it there's no way he should have been allowed to get the shot off and the thing was 90 seconds later Bearfield are three down now because the puck out is won by Monoline and O'Dolly got a fine game tapped over a pint good they're three down they, they worked the ball lovely created a goal scoring opportunity and Carl Ren cuts inside what do the Monoline players do? They dragged him to the floor unceremoniously, took a yellow, gave a free, which Dorbeerfield tapped over. That kind of experience and that maybe the football inside of things is a bit more cynicism in it. Um, that was the difference ultimately between the day because if Bearfield had pulled your men down, it wouldn't have been a goal. But Monoline, no way were they allowing a goal chance. They just dragged him to the floor. Yeah, and it, but having said that, you know, the standard, as you know, the Bennell have showed and St. George's have showed. Clare Club Hurland is probably on a bit of a renaissance at the lower grades, uh, Derek. Is that to be fair? Ah, it is indeed. It is indeed. Look, you know, the Banner did so well and they'd been knocked out in, in, in the quarterfinal. If they had got through Clare and won it, and they probably should have won the quarterfinal against their rogue. They were caught like with a late goal and gone into extra time. If they had those extra games, they would have been better prepared for Munster. With Bearfield... It was just all about winning that intermediate title, especially after last year's when there were raging favourites going in against Smith O'Brien's. And credit to Smith O'Brien's that their homework done a bad day. They gave nothing away and, and um, they tapped over the freeze and won by a pint. And it was heartbreak for Bearfield. You know, 12 months later, they, they achieved their ultimate aim, which was to get to senior. And then they hurled with a bit of freedom. It's just late on, Leo. There was 60 minutes on the clock, a Davy Conroy pint. Well, it was an attempt at the pint now. It was definitely two yards wide. But the umpires waved it as a pint. And the linesman came in to consult with the referee because he was standing where we were. It was definitely wide. As he went down, Monoline put 16 players on the field. And, you know, it was just the bare field officials were gone mad. And it was it was the fault of Kilmanock's ground because the Limerick champions were opposite the field in their own dugout instead of beside Dora Bearfield. The fourth official was beside Dora Bearfield, so he'd no control over what Monoline done. The, 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 um, the referee decided it was wide and correctly so, but then Dora Bearfield were gone mad, roaring on the line. There's 16 on the field, there's 16 on the field. They were adamant and they were roaring and there was five minutes additional time and I think three of those minutes were wasted by, by the 16 being on the field and, you know, it just caught them and 
it was just a sour end and Michael Gilfile and they were livid afterwards but in credit to them they held their tongues they didn't abuse the referee after the final whistle they shook hands with the players and walked off but they were extremely extremely disappointed Yeah frustrating waiting but in fairness you know, as you said they achieved their ultimate aim in, in, in getting back to senior championship you said at the outset uh, Derek Bellier by a pint I tell you one thing they, they don't make it easy for they don't make it easy up there but I tell you they do get results Absolutely. And when the game was in the melting pot, who else but Tony Kelly to come up with two wonder scores out under the stand, out 50, 60 yards out on the run off his favourite side, landed both, you know, and they went to pint down for the, you know, and as soon as they went to pint down, within 45 seconds, they had landed two scores to go back a pint in front. They're just incredible. And even the last attack that went out for the 65 there was no way a, um, a Bears player was going to get a shot off. There was just no way. They so warmed them. They put their bodies on the line, hooks in, blocks in, tackles. They're, they're, they're an unbelievable unit. They all work so hard for each other. And the only way you'll ever beat Bellier, I, I'm a firm believer, is if you, you have to beat him by five or six points. You have to, like, you know. Yeah, you, you need a cushion. A you need a cushion, game. that's for sure. You definitely need a cushion against them anyway. Yeah, you won't like if you're three up with t- five minutes to go, they're going to come back and lend the last four scores. You just you have to be six, seven up. You have to be kind of nearly out of sight to guarantee victory against them. They're an incredible bunch. They're four county title now. They're back into a Munster Club final. Look, they'll be up against it in the Munster Club final, let's be honest about it. But then again, when you have Tony Kelly Leo, as you know, down in Torles, who's to say the men wouldn't hit 12, 13 points from play? I mean, he is, in my opinion, the best hurler in the country, one of the greatest I've ever seen in my life. And it's a pleasure that we get to watch the likes of Tony Kelly. Yeah, and indeed, it's a privilege, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, there will be revenge in the air. Benny Gunnar came last year, Benny, of course, minus Tony Kelly in that Munster Club game, were very much put to the sword. But, you know, there's where Benny, they won't lack motivation and they won't lack effort, that's for sure. That is for sure. And look, you have to factor in last year that that Munster game was a week after the county final. Do you know? And they won a county final without Tony Kelly uh, by a pint, as usual. Yeah. But they'd won five matches in a row last year to win the county championship. Five in a row by a pint it was incredible. They no doubt celebrated. They probably only got back to the field on Thursday evening. I'd say they didn't really honestly give a thought about the Munster club or a care. Whereas this year, it's a different approach. They had the four-week break, which kind of caught them a bit at the start against the Bears. Um, you know, and there might be a bit of rustiness. Four weeks is a long time off. You're better off with playing every second week or third at the most. But, you know, they'll have nothing to lose. They'll go in as underdogs, which is incredible, really, that a Tony Kelly team will go in as underdogs. But that says a lot about Belly Gunner. They are reigning All-Ireland champions and... They gave an exhibition last Sunday in the second half against Napiershi. So it will be a tough ask. But as I say, below and Torless, Tony Kelly cuts loose. Ballier by a pint, Leo. Ballier by a pint. Oh, we'll, tell you, we'll hold on to that one with you. We'll hold on to that one. <laughs> and finally, on the club scene, on the provincial scene, a real big day for Red Oak footballers tomorrow. Uh, Derek going to Stack Park, taking on Kerns O'Reilly's. Not the county champions, but the club champions. Yeah, yeah, look, and you win a club title belong Kerry, you're no mug, like, let's be honest about it, they're the, the All-Ireland Senior Football Champions, so you come out there as club champions, you know, they have David Moore in midfield, they'll have Tommy Walsh in the full forward line, and they'll be young fella, Conor O'Brien, very light, very small, but very lively, can take scores, and he'll be dangerous because he's unknown, um, but... 
you know, I, I just, I, I think Airog, in my opinion, Leo, are probably the best county champions we've produced since Kilmoria Brecon went all the way to the Ireland final. Definitely in the te- last 10, 12 years, they're the best team to come out of Clare. Um, they haven't conceded a goal in two years. They're big, they're powerful, they're so well organised. They can go toe-to-toe, they can play defensive, they have potent forwards. Aroga is a serious, serious outfit. Don't be under any illusions. This is probably the best side we have produced club side in this county in a long, long time. And I give great hopes of Aroga. To, to go down to Tralee, get a result um, and get to a Munster Club final. And, you know, I said it six months ago that Aero could win the Munster Club, never mind the county that could win the Munster Club. They're that polished of a unit. Yeah, and, and I suppose Derek, incredibly, incredibly organised. And I suppose Derek, yeah, today we were on duty in 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 Kilmehill the day they played Milton, and Milton are no, I know they were in the relegation battle after, but you know they were still very much fighting for their lives in the championship that day, and we kind of both said it coming away, Iraq put them away very very easily, and when a team is able to do that, you know it has to be a good sign, and you know they will be hurting from their defeat last year to the Cork Champions of the Bears they came out and they won the first round again the Nair we were, we were down um, where the score was was a two pints all at half time today blow and mellow and to put up what they scored in the second half just shows how really a good a team that they are um, Derek Oh yeah look to have it all Leo and as you said there we saw Mountain Milltown Milltown packed the defence what did they all do 40 yard passes not just humps in the air passes won marks, converted the marks and kept the scoreboard ticking over while the game was tight. You know, and then when Milton had to come out, Aerog punished him with goals. If you play defensive against a side that hasn't conceded a goal in two years, you're asking to be picked off. They can win primary possession, they can use the foot pass, they're running off the shoulder, they're 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 they're, they're an absolutely outstanding team. And they're you know, and I'm saying it again here, but they're probably the best county champions I've seen in ah since Kilmory won the, went, went all the way to the All-Ireland and, and, you know, go back to Doombeg, they're that good. Like, they really, really are. Um, Cratlow got to a Munster Club final. They're far better than Cratlow are. They're, they're the most polished unit I've seen in a long time because they can play plan A, plan B and plan C. They're not just a one-trick pony. They have power, they have pace, they have youth, they have experience. They're the complete unit. Yeah, they're a very good team, and we, we look at we wish them the very best to look uh, uh, tomorrow in that Munster semi final down in Kerry and a, a, a task well within yeah, well within grasp. Wouldn't it be a strange one now? Like, and it's highly likely, but you know, if you have a Munster club football final with the Tip Champions and the Clare Champions, you know, because Carmel, Carmel commercials, I think, will will make it and. Um, you know, if you're rogue maker, it'd be a real novel Munster Club final. Yeah, and, and, and in Derek Winton Big won one of their Munster Club titles. They beat Mile Rovers at Tipperary inside the Gaelic grounds. And who's to say they were not going to have a repeat of Clare and Tipperary in a Munster Club football final in, in, in two weeks' time? To be something to, to look forward to. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. It'll bring a huge crowd. And look, credit to the Airog, you know, because. You know, a week after losing the County Hurling final, they, they they got the job done. And, and as you said, they completely destroyed the Nair in the second half. And look, they'll go down. They have nothing to lose. A lot of people won't give them a chance. But those people haven't seen their rogue the way we have, Leo. And, you know, they, they're just factoring out oh, to Clare side against the Kerry side. That day is gone. 
do you know that day is gone now like I mean that psychological stuff about we won't beat a Kerry team that's a load of nonsense it's 15 v 15 and when you cross the white line it doesn't matter if you're from Australia or Dubai or Castle or Scarif just go and win it Leo yeah there's no doubt about about that we turned in uh, uh, Derek from the provincial to the domestic our our own local and the under 21 championship is really beginning to hot up here in the A and the B and that and the C and and, you know this weekend we have all the quarterfinal ties on Derek and coming up towards the last week in November and we're hitting to the quarterfinals your quick take on Clarkeston and Clannara Derek it'll go down to the wire they really will there'll be nothing in it I've seen both sides Clarkeston were extremely poor against Corfin Ren Clannara were good against Aina Kilnamona although the goals kind of got them over the line Clarkeston were better against uh, Crusheen Tubber um, they let an eight point lead slip late on to force extra time it'll be really really close Leo I think you know I'll go with my heart and say Clarecastle and nip it by a pint or two um, yeah yeah, I think Clarecastle might just have enough when you're lied you're lied to the lied to the very end uh, Derek not about that oh you have to be Leo you have to be Derek your, your second team Scarif O'Gunn Law <laughs> uh, taking on uh, Clooney Quinn we have you adopted as an East term I noticed it, by the way uh, Scarif O'Gunn Law against Clooney Quinn this could actually be a very very tight game yeah it'll be the game of the weekend Leo absolutely without a question of a doubt there there's three sides that stand out in the number 21 this year Curl Finn Ryan Scarif O'Gunn Law and Clooney Quinn now They've drawn each other, Scarf and Clooney Queen. It will be an absolute cracking, cracking tie. Um, yeah, and it's very, very hard to call. I think the Mark Rogers factor will get Scarf and Gunlow over the line. But in saying that, Clooney Queen are a force. Do not be, do not underestimate them. They have some quality young players. They're minor A champions. They're, you know, they're done great work the last five or six years. They're beginning to reap the rewards of it. They were in the senior quarterfinal. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a crack and tie. I watched them destroying the market below in the market. They absolutely tore them apart. Um, Scarif Gunlow, you know, they won by eight points last day against Christine Tubber, and Mark Rogers only got a point from play. So that kind of shows the potential that Scarif Gunlow have, that they're not just relying on Mark Rogers, but I think from to be Clooney Quinn, they will need a green flag from Rogers. I fully expect it that he'll get the green flag, but they will need it. Yeah, indeed, we're looking forward to that game again that's going to be carried out live here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Then, how will we do it live, Leo, without, without Pat and Finton? What's going on? <laughs> I don't know how we're going to just... We'll have to work it out, Derek. We'll have to work it out. Derek, we'll have to get some sort of Bluetooth to Thailand or wherever <laughs> that man has gone. <laughs> Good man. He'd be delighted to hear that. Corofin Ruen and Six Mile Bridge, Derek. I suppose this Duke Tarleton's in purposes if we'd be Corofin Ruen. A score of man, Leo. Almost. I'd imagine it'll be a scorer, man. The, I, I, I've seen both, and uh, look, without being disrespectful, the bridge are completely and utterly out of their depth here against Corfin Ren. This would be a seismic, seismic shock. Corfin Ren will, will comfortably take care of the bridge. I have no doubts about that. It, they could actually win by 15 points. I think that's a fair a, a fair um, bit on that one. I Nicky Lamona and St. Joseph's Dean, Derek, the last of the A quarterfinals. You would imagine maybe yeah. Ina Kil- Well, of course, this, this, this is what the could either way. St. George's now out at Intermediate can give full focus to the under-21. Ina Kilnamona, you know, a team that's, I suppose, maybe hoping to push push on, but kind of seems to be stuck in a bit of a rut at the moment. Uh, victory and bringing either team to the semi-final would be a big boost for either club. 
Absolutely. And look, it'll be very hard one to call. I think Kilmore have had the benefit of the two games. Now, they put up 30 points against Clonara and lost an extra time, 3.23 to 30. You know, the goals killed them. They were soft enough. But they registered 30 points. And any side they can do that shows the firepower that they have, Leo. They're not, anyway, against the market, the goals won it for them. Um, do you know, so Dora Bearfield got over the bridge. Should have won by a lot more. But like, you know, poor shot selection, couple of poor wides, um, you know, it, it kind of, a young Kennedy had a chance and he hit the butt of the post to force extra time. It was a bad night below on the bridge. I think he finished 12 points to nine. You know, Dora Bearfield will need to be hitting 20 points to beat Aina Kilimona. 12 will certainly not do it. No matter what the weather conditions is, Aina Kilimona will put up 17 or 18 points on a really bad day. So for that reason, I would tip Aina Kilimona because they just have the better firepower. Yeah, and some big guns going to some big guns going to be going through to semi finals. We look forward to look forward to those games uh, later on today and uh, in this under twenty one A quarter final. A quick word on the B, uh, Derek Brawford and Bellier. Brawford and the victory over Woolton's Bellier back in after losing to Tulla got in, got in through the game. So um, another game that could go either way, Derek. Yeah, I, ju- I, I just have a sneaky feeling Brawford bit of momentum. I think. Do you know, Bellier, or, you know, I just, you know, it's not the Bellier senior team here, it is under 21, and I just think Broadford will have too much for him. It'll be tight, but I'd imagine Broadford will get through it. Tulla and Eirog, and I suppose Eirog will have their mind, maybe, will will have definitely have their mind on, on Austin Stackberg tomorrow. I presume some members of this team will be on their panel. You'd imagine maybe Tulla to get over this one having home advantage? Yeah, that should swing it. That should swing it for Tulla in Tulla's favour. Um, yeah, I would be thinking, you know, Erog went to all the way to penalties against Smith O'Brien's. Yeah, Tulla on the back of a victory as well. Yeah, I, I, I would think home advantage. And, you know, it's important for Tulla, probably more important for Tulla, you know, um, to go back into next year's Intermediate Championship with momentum coming from the youngsters. So I, the fact that it'd probably be more important to the Tulla lads, we should swing it from. Yeah, and Eirog and, and Smith O'Brien's coming, coming out of the, the first Clare Championship game to be played outside of the county in, in many, many a long time, especially a 121 club game. I can't remember yeah, a 21 game crazy, being played outside the county before. Yeah, and eleven o'clock at night while they were hitting penalties and the fog descended and all. You know, you couldn't you couldn't write it really like you know a faulty towers kind of job. But sure, look, it is what it is. And they all got through on the night, and they'll be delighted. But you'd have to feel for the Smith O'Brien's lads. It's not it's not nice losing on penalties, but that's the nature of the beast. Indeed. And then you have Kinmeli and and Crusheen and you know Crusheen on their own on, on this one unfortunately they lost out uh, in the amalgamation to Tupper and they played two good games against Scarif and uh, Claire, Claire Castle and unlucky to lose out in the in the A uh, Championship they'll be hoping for some recompense here in the B uh, Derek yeah they will but unfortunately they won't get it Leo um, Kilmele are in my opinion probably the favourites for the whole B Championship it's rare you have Kilmele at underage level playing B, like when you think about it. Yeah. You know, they're dominating, they've dominated A underage for years. I know it's under 21, but, you know, Kilmele have minor titles. I don't even know how many of them they have at this stage, and 16 and 14. And, you know, they're they're producing players, they have a huge pick. I just think Kilmele, you know, probably should be in the A division, really. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of why they're in the B, but, um, yeah, I'd imagine Kilmele will just have too much for Christine. Yeah, and in the final game of that one, uh, Fecal, Kilinina and Multones, and you'd imagine, you know, Fecal, Kilinina having the advantage of played minor eight for a couple of years together, should probably just about have the advantage here. 
Yeah, they should. And um, they're dark horses. A lot of, I don't know much about them now. I'm not going to lie. But from what I'm hearing, they're a fine young unit and um, they could cause a shock or two. And, you know, a lot of people are telling me it could be a Kilmele fecal kill in a final in that under 21B. Yeah, look, there's so, a, another tip that you're giving. We're going to hold on to that one for, for future reference. Derek, that concludes our, 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 our little chat on the hurling and the GA side. And I suppose we turn to the small matter of the, the thing that's on everyone's lips at the moment is the, the World Cup out in Qatar. I know you, you 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 would have a particular interest. You, you know, you'd be well up in the in the, the soccer field. And I suppose the World Cup it comes around every four years. I suppose this time it's four and a, and a bit years in an unusual setting out in Qatar. However, whatever way they managed to get it, they got it anyway. What's your thoughts on the whole process, Derek? Uh, well, they spent 200 billion, Leo. I mean, I couldn't believe when I watched the thing on BBC the other night. 200 billion Qatar has spent hosting this World Cup. It's an incredible amount of money when you think of you know, the war-torn Ukraine and refugees and poverty throughout the world and fuel crisis and, and, and energy crisis and all that, that they can spend $200 billion. I'm very annoyed that it's out there. I don't think it should be there. I think we should, you know, it should not be there. Their human rights issues is disgraceful. Yeah. I looked at the opening game the other night. There wasn't one female in the stadium. Like, you know, it's... I don't, I don't even know if they're allowed in. I just don't know. I... I Look, I, I'll watch the World Cup because, you know, it is the World Cup. Um, I'm sure come the knockout stages, everyone will watch it. At the moment, though, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm a bit, I don't know, I'm still... Everyone is very uneasy about it, Derek. There's no doubt, there's no getting, getting away from it and definitely the human rights issues and everything that's going on. It just doesn't sit right with anybody. Okay, obviously, it's a sporting spectacle and people are going to watch the games. And, and I suppose after the Saudi Arabia-Argentina game, people maybe step will step up and, and, and take more notice. But, you know, I suppose there has been the issue of the... The one love the love armband that was supposed to be worn by the captains, especially of Harry Kane and and Gareth Bale for Wales and England the other night. Obviously, they were put under federations were put under uh, savage pressure and didn't come on the back of the statement from Gianni Infantino, which I thought was an outlandish statement over the weekend. I couldn't, I, I just can't understand how that man is still in a position uh, after after yeah. what he had said, you know, but. Derek, should the captains have taken the bend? And I know, look, at you can understand the pressure that they were under, uh, you know, with the with the threat of a yellow card and maybe more sanctions. They were put in an unbelievable position, uh, Derek. Yeah, but at the end of the day, Leo, like you're like when you talk about Harry Kane, for example, now and Gareth Bale, you're talking about players who earn more in a week than everyone that's listening to this show and you and me and all put together earn in a lifetime. So, like, put on the, the band and, and take your fine or whatever punishment's necessary and, and, and stand up, like, you know. I mean, you're talking about Harry Kane here, like, one of the world's best-known players. Stand up for something and, and, and just, just be done with it. Like, uh, it's different now if you're asking me about the poor Ecuadorian captain or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But when you're, when you're on about multi-multi-millionaires, you know, look, it's left a sour taste in my mouth. Ronaldo and Messi did an ad the other day as well. I mean, they're billionaires, like... And yet they do everything this for money and stuff. I don't know, Leo. I think we should take them all down to Scarif and watch a good junior B match between Scarif and Kilcastle <laughs> and show them what it's really all about. Like, you know? Yeah, there's a lot in it, all right. But I know it's, it's disappointing. And, you know, with, with the 
it's only given Creedson to these lads out there, you know. They just obviously they don't care about what's what's going on. And then you hear the stories about people getting in this, some people being let into the stand into the game and more not being let in. There's an awful lot of obviously this goes on in other places, but there's a lot going on that we can't control or not going to be able to control. But no, you, you no, know, no. it's the, just it'll be the first World Cup that without crowd trouble, I'd imagine that. <laughs> yeah, but it it's, is I I heard it's fifty euro a pint, Leo. Could you imagine? Huh? We wouldn't last long anyway. There's no no doubt about that. We began home very very fast. But I Derek, know Jim Collins did look after us. You know, Jim <laughs> Collins did look after us. But Derek, on the on the side issue, obviously the, the Saudi Arabia result the other day against Argentina will make everyone step up and 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 take notice. But in your in your um, opinion, who will win? Who do you think is going to win the World Cup? I think Brazil will win it. I think it'll be a South American team in the conditions and all that, the humidity, and I just think it's made for Brazil. However, like if anyone out there fancies an old little each way bet, Uruguay at forty to one, I think will make the semi-finals, and that's an eight to one winner or ten to one if you get quarter the odds. Um, and yeah, that'd be that'd be my outside tip would be Uruguay. I just think that again they're South American. They have Suarez and they have Cavani and they have a that Casemiro and they, they have one or two others there and do you know that Nunes that was Liverpool and I just think that they're underrated, they're overpriced. And um yeah, I wouldn't have I wasn't surprised one bit that Argentina were beaten. I told anyone who listened to me last week, lads were saying six to one we'll have a bit in Argentina. I said not at all. Argentina couldn't win the World Cup in 2014 with Messi in his prime well, he's, they're well, not going to win it when yeah. he's 36 do you know yeah. so I think Brazil will probably have enough it's all the conditions in their favour you know I just I hope they don't because I don't like that Neymar I think he's you know but um, yeah Uruguay is an outside bet and yeah and I hate saying it but anyone but England Leo but sure don't quote me on that now <laughs> and Derek finally on the World Cup do you think that it will get away and that there will be any more issues brought up do you think that the players will eventually or have they just given in do you think there'll be any more protests uh, either way I don't think no I think they've just given in Leo I, I don't think they'll protest I think they've probably got immense pressure from their federations as you said and um you know, it's disappointing, you know, when the biggest players in the world can't just, you know, do what they want because literally they have so much money in their lives, so much, they've nothing to lose. You know, if you find Harry Kane a million quid, you wouldn't earn it in two weeks. Like, Well, I'd imagine, so, I'd imagine, Derek, though, that when, uh, when the whole process of the World Cup is over, I say there will be a lot of very, very interesting interviews that will come out in the media when it is all over. Yeah, right, when it's all over, and especially... With England, if they have an acrimonious exit now, I think they'll make the quarterfinals where they're probably due to meet France maybe and that could be a cracking contest. But when the English team leave the World Cup, I'd imagine a few of them will speak out and, uh, you know, the English tabloids will publish anything anyway. So, but it will be interesting. I think, look, it's a novel factor that the World Cup is on in November. I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I think it's yeah. great for viewing. It's just a pity that it's out in Qatar, 200 billion spent and you know and their human rights issues is a disgrace you know for me the World Cup realistically should be held in England, France, Germany, Italy in, in, in those countries that have all the stadiums ready to go at a, at a drop of a hat you know there's so much else going on in the world we have so many other issues you know that 
it's sad to think that Qatar and all their sheiks and billionaires, they're taking up headlines where we should be concentrating on the poor person who can't feed themselves or heat themselves in, in, in the current climate, you know. Yeah, and there's plenty, going to be plenty of that and it won't be, it's hidden a million miles away from here, there's not of it. Derek, as always, very good to talk to you here on Scarif Bay Community Radio. You're very forefront in your ideas and your ideas and, 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 your, and your views, there's no doubt about that. And we look forward to your company uh, later on today in Ogunlo uh, for that under 21A qualifying. Derek Tarmer, as uh, always, very be, good to talk to you. It should be a cracker, Leon. Thanks for having me. I just feel a bit strange that I didn't get to talk to Pat, you know. Like, you know, my seven Pat have an old love affair going there. Like, we should, I, I we, should have, we should have, we should have got the video link. <laughs> we, should have, we should have got the video link for you. Yeah, yeah. look, I hope he's listening wherever he is. And, you know, I wish him the best on his holidays because at the end of the day, as much as I slag him, he's an old gentleman in fairness. Good man, but you, can edit, you can edit that bit out so he doesn't hear it, Leo. <laughs> good man, Derek. He'll get an F out of that. Derek, good to talk to you and talk to you later. All the best. Thanks a minute, Leo. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye bye. You're listening to Sportsline on Scarlet Bay Community Radio, 88.3 and 92.7 in East Clare, around the world on scarletbayradio.com and on the TuneIn radio app. Sportsline is sponsored by Derek Credit Union. And once again, thanks to Derek Dahmer for taking the time to talk to us. And now I'm joined here in studio by our station manager here, uh, uh, Jim Collins. Uh, Jim is here to say a few words about a man well known to us all here in East Clare and in, in Scarif, a man who was the lifeblood of the community and doing so much for the community of Scarif and East Clare and beyond, Jim, the late Paddy Lowry. Yes, Leo. Uh, Paddy left us this week after after an illness, I suppose, stretching back for since nearly the start of the year. Um, it's It seems amazing. It seems unbelievable uh, that Paddy has gone from us. Um, Paddy is somebody, I suppose, on a personal level, I would have known Paddy for a long, long time. I mean, uh, but to 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 see the contribution that Paddy has made uh, here in Scariff and around East Clare in in so very many ways, um, it's 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 just it's amazing that one man could achieve so much for his community. In in uh, you know in that length of time, um, I my first can I tell you about my first go encounter on, with Paddy Lowry? Um, I was in first year in secondary school, and uh, I was on the way home with my bike, which I loved to cycle, and uh, I met my mother up in May Coffees. Some people will remember where where Longs, where the old funeral parlour was there beside Centra, and. Uh, my mother asked me to go down to Harry's for something. So uh, I got up on the bike and, and away. She, and she said to me, leave the bike there. You can walk down. I know I love to cycle. Now, the bike had to break in the world in it. And as I went down along past the, where the post office was and whirled around and I skeeted into, in front of Harry's uh, using my foot as the brake. And it took a while to get the foot to, to stop the bike. Anyway, into Harry's, got whatever I was to get, came out, and there was this tall young guard standing beside the bike. <laughs> and he said to me, uh, have you brakes in the bike? Uh, I have. What are they like? They're not great, <laughs> I said. So um, he said, show me how they work. 
So I had to move the bike a small bit and scrape my foot as best I could on the path. Um, so he, he told me, go off and get brakes on the bike. You know, there was no question of any other, any action or anything, but just go and get brakes on the bike. That was my first. Uh, and he, Paddy loved telling that story. He told that story over the years to so many people, you know, uh, with, uh, and had a good laugh at our first meeting because we'd obviously got to know each other a lot better as the years went on. I tell you, Jim, there's many a story that men, the late Paddy, could, could have told about many, many people uh, around East Clare and beyond. I'd say an encyclopedia, he, he was an encyclopedia of knowledge. But Jim, to be fair to the men, he was probably a man well before his time. Yes, I mean, Paddy's, I'd say, Paddy's motivation, like, or Paddy's way of doing things was to uh, meet trouble before it started. Uh He'd see a young fella maybe around Scariff or around East Clare and he would advise him and try and get him to, like, not maybe keep the company he was keeping or stay, you know, away from trouble. He would not, he wasn't, wasn't someone who went out to look to catch people. Um, he went out to advise young people, particularly young people, um, to, to, to keep out of trouble that... Uh, he didn't want them. He didn't want it to become official. He was the real essence of the community guard, wasn't he, Jim? He was. I mean, he would know everybody. But I suppose guards were maybe at that time anyway. Do you know? I mean, we're talking about, we say, particularly the sixties and seventies. Uh, it was very much the, the the all the local guards who were based, let's say, in Scariff Station, uh, lived around the place. I mean, your Pather Daly, the late Pather Daly. You know, and uh, Sergeant Fleming, who lived in the barrack altogether, and Paddy lived. He's he lived in Raheen first, I think, and uh, then built a house in Fossabeg. So they knew everybody who lived in the area, and you know they had the trust of the people as well. In that you would, these were guards you would meet. You'd meet them at mass on Sunday. You'd meet them going into the shop. You'd know their families. So it it was a it was quite a different thing to to like the guard that you see now in the patrol car, you know it's different. I mean I'm not giving out about the way it is now, but it it was very very different. And he was I agree with you the essence of a community guard and a community man. I was just going to say that he totally immersed himself in the community and the culture of East Clare. He did. Um, I mean, in the very early days, he was involved with the GA here in Scariff. Uh, he was involved with the, particularly the, the younger people. And of course, coming from Tipperary, he could, he could be not Nils. Well, sure, he, <laughs> he obviously knew some bit about hurling. Um, but yeah, he he was involved at a wider level in Borden and Oog in Clare. And he was involved in SCORE as well, uh, with both locally and at a wider level. And of course, his late wife, Anne, you know, was very, very much involved in score as well. And Jim, score was very much a predominant, you know, the winter side of the GA, of that side, you know, for people that know score was the byproduct of the GA, is run by the GA, and that was a very, very high, much a high activity at that, at that time. It was, I suppose it was, going back to those days, we'll say the 60s and the 70s, when we had one channel uh on TV, there, there was maybe a little bit more of those kind of activities, be it, um, be it drama, be it singing, be it question time, be it playing music. 
and it was station or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was a great uh, way for the GA to, we say, over the winter to get people to get people involved who weren't necessarily people who were playing. Do you know, lots of people would get involved, particularly in in a quiz or uh, on stage. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, various people, you know, who would be involved. Uh, with score, but would not would never be seen tugged out at match. You know? Yeah, but it widened the membership of the J. You know, you gave it a, a, a different perspective, really. Of course, it did. But I'd say everything with Paddy, from his work to to his, uh, we'll say hobbies and that, were all to do with with community, and they were all to do with uh, giving to the community of his time and his effort and his energy. And of course, Jim, as you said, he, he was very heavily involved in score, but he was heavily involved in Scarif GA in more ways than one. Well, he was. Well, I suppose in if if you move along, because there's other aspects to Petty, maybe we might go back to in a second. Uh, but he he became involved, I'd say, in the late 90s in uh, the development that was going on at Scarif GA pitch. For example, uh, the building of the stand for one thing, which was a kind of a, uh, we'll say, a, a project, uh, a millennium project for the year 2000. The building of the stand, the, the development of the clubhouse, where you had a hall and you had dressing rooms and, you know, other bits and pieces were added, other rooms, the alley, various other development which took place back, you know, about 20 years ago. And Paddy was very, very much involved in that. And he also, he then kind of became groundsman in Scarif. Himself and the late Eddie Maloney, and they're all gone now, uh, they were very much involved in looking after the building, looking after the grounds. And I suppose Paddy was, Paddy took great pride in looking after the pitch. And not just the pitch, the two pitches, because the the main pitch, let's say, here near where the studio is, and the other pitch at Cravens. And I mean, over the last 20 years or more, Paddy would have cut those pitches two, three times a week all through the summer uh, and looked after them in the winter. And then, you know, together with Eddie, he would have done the lines and the flags and all of that kind of thing. I mean, generally people who come into Scarif's ground would be always very impressed with, and they'd never be left with a pitch not available. The only time ever Paddy would, the, would be, the people would be left with a pitch not available is if they never booked it and it just arrived, which sometimes happens. Can happen. Do you know? Um, so, I mean, the, the work and the dedication he did right up to, you know, his, his recent illness. Um, I mean, the, the dedication that that takes, the time it takes... Uh, and the effort it takes and the sacrifice uh, that's involved because, I mean, you could be doing other things. Um, to to cut the field like that, so many... And, you know, he took great pride in it, took fantastic pride in in um, in his work. I mean, there, there's no way he would... Uh, you know, his his own lawn wasn't looked after better than the, than the field was. There's no doubt about that. No. But, you know, he has left... A major legacy behind him, you know, and his boots are be very, very, very hard to fill. Well, they will. I mean, just I suppose go, going backwards a small bit, he was involved in the in the late seventies, early eighties in the scouts, and uh, you know, there's 
sometimes there's photographs going around of the official opening of the pitch here and you know a lot of young fellas uh, who are old fellas now uh, were were in would be seen in those photographs um, in the in the scout uniform. So I mean, Paddy was very very much involved in that, and again that was part of the same thing, you know, keeping guys active, keeping guys out of trouble, keeping you know youngsters interested in you know things which were of benefit to them. Yeah, and I um, suppose you know to go back to your point as you said earlier, Jim. It was all about keeping lads occupied, wasn't it? That's what he wanted. Keep lads interested, getting them to do something. As you know, he kind of spotted trouble maybe before it actually happened. Exactly. And and that, you know, that is a team that runs right through all the different things that Paddy was involved in. Except maybe he was involved in one thing, all right, uh, which was the TV deflector system. And uh, that was, that was, <laughs> I, I, I always remember that one because that's where people got to see a different side to him because, you know... How way would you put it? It was compromising his, his his position, maybe. Well, he was a serving guard at the time, but uh, he also, you know, he also liked his channels. And, I mean, all the other guards uh, who lived in the area were also enjoy their channels. Yeah, they were in the community. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I remember at the time, um, you know, the, the word illegal was never used. Uh, it was unlicensed, which was, uh, you know, a slight difference. But yeah, it was, I suppose, from the mid 80s to the, from the early, it was about 1983 or 4 to 1993, nearly 10 years, um, there were uh, the TV deflector system brought all the British channels and some satellite channels into East Clare. And, uh, you know, it was such an interesting, but he loved that, absolutely loved being involved in that. And we used to, we used to have great fun. I mean, I remember going up the, uh, um, or the even, uh, sharing a tractor battery with Paddy Lowry, the two of us carrying one end of it each. And uh, PJ had some kind of a small TV in an aerial system. And we stood, you know, and it wasn't warm up at the top of our Even and we're picking up BBC from Northern Ireland, crystal clear. You know, so we often did stuff like that, you know. But I suppose, Tim, you could talk all night about the stories with him, you know, and of course there was always the one about Tommy Noonan. Everyone, everyone has heard about that one with, with, with the late Tommy Noonan, another great a great character. Yeah, another, and, and Paddy used to love telling that the one. story. I presume people have heard it, but... Uh, Tommy came out of, of the uh, pub uh, quite at some late hour and uh, he made his way he had obviously he was over the limit and he made his way uh, towards the his car and um, this a Garda in uniform came across the street Paddy Lowry and uh, Paddy said uh, maybe Tommy it would be better to leave the leave the car there tonight and get a lift home and Tommy looks at him and he says why are they around? So, you know, what it, and Paddy used to love telling that story because, I mean, it showed how integrated Paddy was in the community. That, I mean, okay, we all knew he was a Garda, but, like, it wasn't Paddy Lowry that, um, that, that Tommy Noonan would be wary of in that situation. It would be a squad car from Killaloo or somewhere like that, you know? Um, but Jim, also, as well as that, you know, as you said, he was involved in the radio, but he was a great supporter of us here in Scarif Bay Community Radio. He was indeed. I'll tell you one one little, the last time I'd say he was in here, um, as you know, we'll say for the last 20 years or so, another job he took up 
was sacristan in Scarif. And even at the funeral during the week, you know, Father Joe McMahon was talking about how when Paddy was was there organising things, nothing was forgotten. Nothing was left out. Everything worked as it should, like clockwork, because Paddy was absolutely meticulous about everything, whether it was cutting the field properly or, or organising the church properly as well. Um, but he, you know... The, the, yes, the, the one of the stories, the Christmas, two Christmases ago, uh, one of Paddy's jobs as sacristan was to put the uh, the crib in front of the altar. And he put the crib in front of the altar and he, he would always do it very well and they'd be, you know, he'd build a little wall of stones and have the figures there. And as you know, the shortly after the birth of Jesus, the three wise men came. So the three wise men, were. he had them over at the side of the altar, uh, one after the other, kind of on their way. Um, and when Paddy came in one day, he noticed that the three wise men had moved a bit. And a couple of days later, he they saw moved. they had moved another bit nearer to the crib. And he was absolutely amazed at this. And he's, he, I remember he told me about it. He went on patrol. <laughs> he never found out who was moving them, but um, they became the moving statues of Scarif. And Paddy was, he came into the radio, into Saturday Chronicle, and he told us the story, you know, and it was so, it was so good and so interesting and so funny as well, how the, the statues moved and the, the three wise men made their way towards the crib in the church in Scarif. As I say, the Lord works in mysterious ways. There's no doubt <laughs> about that. But Jim... Uh, to be fair to the men, you know, as he said, he immersed himself in the community. He was a member of the community. You know, he was one of our own here in, in, in East Clare. And there's no doubt everybody owes him a great debt of gratitude. Yes. And and more so than than, than people know, because, you know, there is so much um, around, we'll say, the, the scouts. OK, they, they, the, the scouts eased off, I suppose, but they're they're there again now. Um the, the the church and the GA in particular, those two things, because lads turned up to matches who didn't realise the work that had gone in, cutting the field a couple of times during the week, lining all the pitches, but it was there for them. And, you know, there's there's obviously a great interest in hurling in the parish and kids are, are delighted to come in and it keeps them out of trouble and it keeps them interested and involved in the community. But... Behind all that, in a in a quiet, unseen way, was Patty Lowry to make sure that would happen. Do you know? And Jim also a great family man. A great family man. I mean, Patty's family are. It's funny at mass there were his son Pat gave a little talk and how they, you know, they spread around the the globe really. And Patty would travel a fair bit with them. And um, particularly, you know, in, in more recent years, he would travel to Hong Kong a fair bit. I think Pat was in Russia at one stage and he really took to travelling. And uh, so and, and himself and Mary and, and they would, um, you know, they, they really enjoyed their 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 travels and trip over over many, many years. It is fair to say he lived it life to the very last. He lived life to the full. Um, I think, you know, he, he was always, 
I, I often got a text about uh, from the radio from Paddy Laurie saying, uh, "Jim, the volume is a bit low," or or this kind of thing. Or th- there was, you know, or he would say how much he enjoyed something, um, how good it was. So, you know, he'd be he'd be very affirming, very positive, you know, in that way, um, and always there to sort of help out so that if we were doing something here in the radio which wasn't kind of as good as it should be, that he'd tell us. Yeah, there's know? no doubt, and his opinion was always greatly sought, and, 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 and you know, it counted. It did, it did for sure. And I think, you know, from, from, the, from the radio and from, from our part here, like, he, he was always, because he was the cutting the grass and groundsman in Shannon, or in, in Scarif, he kept an eye on the radio and the studio, and if a door was open, he'd let me know. Or, you know, if there was something... He was never off duty, was he? He was never off duty, no. Even though he was not, long since not a Garda. But, I mean, he, he was making sure that the place, that the whole place, the, no matter where it was, was, was being well looked after and that there was no messing going on and that, you know, that everything was as it should be. And, Jim, I suppose to be fair, he came in with a great presence and he, he maintained that presence to his last days. He did indeed, yes. And, uh, but, uh, but a very private man as well. Do you know, I mean, he was very much a community man, but not someone who would go up there and be in the public. I mean, two things that happened to Paddy, two awards which, which um, I mean, he would be very modest and he would not want the spotlight to shine in himself. But about five years ago or so, he was uh, voted as the older person of the year in Scar- in Ennis, in, in Clare, the Clare older mm. person of the year. Uh, he was the GA here, um, nominated him for that, and he won it, uh, which was, and he loved it now, he enjoyed it, and, and just it was great, but he's, he certainly wouldn't want the limelight on himself. And a few years ago, he was uh, inducted into the GA Hall of Fame here as well in Scarif, uh, and and no more worthy recipient himself and a number of others, but um, it's it's just it's great that you know he even though he certainly wouldn't want it his um, his contribution was acknowledged you know he used to the one of the other things that on Christmas mass uh, Father um, McMahon would would you know thank everybody for and and he'd always have a special thanks to Paddy. Uh, and quite often, while he'd be talking about Paddy, the microphone would be turned down <laughs> from the sacristy. <laughs> so, and of course, it brought a great laugh from from everybody. But I mean, it was he—he he was a modest individual. He didn't want the limelight, but by God, he—he he deserves the 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 credit and the acclaim that his contribution to the community here, uh, you know, absolutely deserves. And finally, Jim, you know. The appreciation was shown by the crowds that turned up at, at his removal and funeral. Yeah, there was there was a huge crowd, of course, at the removal and again at the funeral uh, during the week. The um, I mean, uh, the GA, I suppose, was well represented there. The Gardaí were well represented there as well. Uh, many of, of his former colleagues, row retired, all, all came and had a guard of honour outside the church and uh, Scarif GEA carried the coffin from the church down to the 
uh, gate of the pitch where there was a round of applause and then it was put in the in the hearse. Uh, so a huge crowd came. So I suppose, you know, to to his four children, to, to Pat and to Sean and to Derville and to Emer, I mean, we would join with, with the other groups and individuals around East Clare um, to offer our heartfelt sympathies and also to Mary. Uh, who has been, you know, him, his companion and friend for so long as well. He'll be a huge loss to all of them. A huge loss and, and, and sorely missed, but gone, but will never be forgotten. Will not be forgotten, no. Jim, thanks for that, Ekadeh, uh, and, and if it have to delay it, uh, Paddy Lowry and may Paddy rest in peace. And that concludes our sports and show here today on Scarab Bay Queen's Radio on 88.3 FM and 92.7 FM and on the tuning app in association with, in association with our sponsors, Derek Credit Union. And all that remains is Emilio Dial to thank Jim, uh, who doubled up as for the interview and doing the controls here for us uh, this afternoon. And until we meet again, it's Bannock Day, August Lawn. <laughs>